0: this is proxy countdown welcome to the big show for the week of january 22nd 2024 alongside my tag team partner matt muscardi i'm damian rollis on today's countdown a semiconductor company finds the courage to invite its second woman into the boardroom A hard-headed wrestler fills a folding metal board chair at a fighting company. A coalition of labor unions tries to fill a symbolically empty board chair at Starbucks. Vote results at Visa and Costco. And finally on the big vote, Matt's recommendation on the world's most beloved brand. Stay tuned to find out what that brand is. Oh wow, teaser get right to our trade wire and our tarp stories first and foremost tka group has appointed two members to its board a dude named bradley keywell that nobody cares about and a dude named the rock that everybody not named bradley keywell cares about the rock also signs a services agreement worth 30 million dollars in equity new director there at tko group the rock dwayne johnson i
1: love celebrity directors we have a number of them with like grant hill shaquille o'neal athlete celebrities
0: director turnover at las vegas sands where nora jordan and david levy and their combined nine percent influence are stepping down while alan lee president of the french chamber of commerce and industry in hong kong is joining the board lee is on a bit of a sin company board role as he joined the board of French booze company Remy Cointreau in July. McCormick & Company welcomes its third black male director to the board in Terry Thomas, Chief Growth Officer of Flower Foods. For corporate America, this is saying something, three black male directors. Microchip Technology is appointing only its second female director, Ellen Barker, the former chief information officer of Texas Instruments. Uh, Again, quite odd to see only one woman on the board at such a big company. And lastly, a possible hint at the successor to CEO Brian Cornell at Target. CFO Michael Fidelke is now the company's COO after having served as CFO since 2019. That's uh, fresh off our trade wire. Let's go to our Proxy Cage matches. A quick update on the Proxy Cage match at Disney where Blackwells has been begging shareholders to take its nominated director seriously and where Tryon has announced that it wants Disney to be as good as Netflix. Tryon, uh, also worth pointing out, Tryin, uh this is how the, the filing process for these Proxy Cage matches work. There. The the, the the activists are constantly filing with the SEC. As an example, Tryon dedicated an entire SEC filing with a single tweet from Jim Cramer over there at CNBC, Mad Money. And the quote is, I think the stock of Disney is now going up in large part because of the heat pelts is generating. That was the entire filing with the SEC, a tweet from Jim Cramer. At Starbucks... The Strategic Organizing Center has finally announced the three directors it is targeting in its attempt to convince shareholders to elect three labor-friendly nominees to the board, and they are Compensation Committee Chair and Flat White Drinking Rich Allison, Audit Committee Chair and Brown Sugar Oat Milk Latte Fan Andy Campion, and Nominating Committee Chair and caramel macchiato sipping Jorgen Vig Nudstorp. So SOC is targeting all three of the chairs of the committees over there at Starbucks for its three directors that we we mentioned before, labor lawyer Wilma Liebman, uh, seasoned corporate director and pensions expert Joshua Gottbaum, and former senior White House official Maria Echeveste.
1: Uh, Look, I'm calling this one now. It's going to be a split vote, mostly because... Nudestorp already got we do an adjusted vote that adjusts out BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street who typically vote with management and Nudestorp already got an adjusted four vote of 84% the worst on the board last year. So this is a rare vote against the nom chair for anything other than diversity issues. Typically you see ISS has a policy that says vote against the nom chair if the board's not diverse. That's not the case here. The board is very diverse. So either investors don't like Laxman becoming the CEO, or they don't like the other board members, or they just don't like Nudestorp. But either way, it could be a win for SOC. But SOC missed a trick. The worst performing director on the board is actually Beth Ford. She's on both the comp and audit committees. She bats 385 for earnings and 387 for TSR, both below average. And outside of Hobson is the most connected director on the board instead of choosing three white dudes and looking like you're woke. Target, Nude Storp, Campion, and Beth Ford. Keep Rich Allison in there, who bats a fantastic 731 earnings and overall is a pretty average director. And I would have gone for the other three, but I'm I'm expecting a split
0: vote here. I will say that these three directors represent the least amount of influence, 3%, 6%, and 6% respectively. So it might be an inspired choice by the SOC, as they are merely there to rubber stamp decisions from the board's powerful duopoly and CEO, Laxman, Narasimhan, and Chair Melody Hobson. So maybe that's part of, maybe they have access to free flow data and they're targeting the three least powerful directors at smart. Starbucks.
1: It's it's smart of USOC. Use our data.
0: And lastly, in a different kind of proxy cage match where the wealthy corporation tries to sidestep shareholders entirely, ExxonMobil is trying to avoid a proxy battle by suing activist investors, Arjuna Capital, and the Shareholder Advocacy Group follow this to kill a proposed shareholder resolution that calls on Exxon to set more aggressive emissions cutting targets. The case filed in a Texas federal district court is an unusual effort to deter a shareholder campaign rather than appealing to the SEC on a given resolution.
1: Uh, Look, I I actually think in the last three, I looked at the data, in the last three votes, Arjuna has filed three shareholder proposals that got majority votes in the last three years. The one at Lowe's for race-gender pay gaps, one at Microsoft for sexual harassment policies, and Kroger for race-gender pay gaps. 16 of their other 65 proposals since 2014 at Fortune 100 companies got more than 25% approval. This isn't some... You know, investor who's just throwing out whatever with some social agenda, their average overall support is 18% approval, which, as shareholder proposals go, is really high, is a, a strong number. So, this they're not asking for something that shareholders don't want, it's not a social activist. This is a shareholder that tends to represent other shareholder demands in their shareholder proposals. The fact that Exxon is going against them and suing them is really just the anti-woke wind at their back, thinking they can pick and choose the investors and shareholder proposals that they want to deal with or the ones that they don't. But the reality here is Arjuna has been a good shareholder proposal filer. They've been a representative of shareholders. This is all Kabuki theater.
0: In its lawsuit, Exxon is alleging a, quote, extreme agenda that looks to force ExxonMobil to change the nature of its ordinary business or to go out of business entirely.
1: This is a bananas lawsuit from them, and it's designed to hurt them so that they have to fight it. That's all it's designed to do. It's not designed uh, with the interest of shareholders.
0: Moving over to our vote results table. Let's start with a small cap company, Aware where shareholders were asked to vote on an option exchange program, which essentially gives executives another chance to make money off underwater options. The proposal passed with 60% with 65% of the vote, but it is the nature of the vote that is most telling. The total number of yes votes was just over 10 million, 10 million, while the total number of votes held by insiders and top owners including CEO Bob Eckel and director John Stafford came to just over 10 million, 10,200,000. So it is it is just the, the the votes, the yes votes were just the people it's going to benefit most, the executives and top owners.
1: Yeah, if you think your votes don't count, that's 14,000 shares difference. That to, from being a 0% shareholder approval. Like why do we give like I know we like the dual class founder fetish. But when the insiders control it, this is what you get. You're along for their ride. At large cap companies, the vote results came in at two meetings that we covered here
0: in our big vote. First at Costco, where average director support was 96%. Also, only 6% rejected say on pay. And 98% said no to the anti-woke shareholder proposal. Uh, Let's get right to Matt's picks. I don't know if they really matter, Matt, but you said vote against Hamilton James, vote against. Craig Jelenic, uh, vote for Seon pay, vote against the anti-woke uh, shareholder proposal. But you know, I think in this case, Matt, shareholders were not listening to your advice. I'm
1: shocked. Uh, well, th- they should have listened to some of it, but I'm shocked that they, you know, I—it's I, hard for me to believe they didn't. I will say that anti—the anti-ESG
0: company started by former presidential uh, candidate Vivek Ramaswamy called Strive Asset Management it was actually more aggressive than you, Matt. They—they they said to vote against seven of the eleven directors at Costco.
1: Uh, I have I, I, I have nothing to say about Strive, except that we are aligned and voting against everything. Uh, vote results are
0: also in Visa, another company we cover here on The Big Vote. Again, all directors rec- received between uh, 97% and 99.88% of votes for... <laughs> Uh, that's about it. Uh, Matt, again, your picks, you voted against, uh, four directors, uh, but shareholders were very much in favor of all directors at Visa.
1: Look, here's what I would say. Go back to the proxy countdowns where we give the recommendations at Costco and Visa and listen to our reasoning, and maybe you'll vote differently next time because there's good reasons to vote against these directors.
0: Uh, Before we get to the big vote, I will say there are also at large cap companies. The vote results came in for DR Horton, Intuit, and Micron Technology. But again, there's not much to see here. Out of all three companies, only two directors even received votes uh, above 10% against, but that number was right around 10%, so not a significant vote, at least uh, uh, that the directors will will not be leaving anytime soon. That's it, That's that's the vote results table. It is now time for the big vote. Where we get to hear Matt weigh in on the world's most famous brand, most beloved brand, Apple. Is there a more beloved brand than
1: Apple? I don't think there is, and I don't think there's a more discussed technology company other than maybe Google. Uh, it's, it's neck and neck.
0: Apple's annual meeting is coming up at the end of February, on February 28th, 2024. Before I hand it over to Matt, who has a lot to say about this board, uh, I will give you some general observations. Overall, the board, it's an average board. They're hitting 525. Neither great, neither, but not bad. Um, of note... Last year, two directors uh, ha- ostensibly have been asked to step down because of a, a, uh, a retirement age policy on the board. That's Al Gore, former Vice President Al Gore, and James Bell. They both hit the retirement age of 75, and they stepped down, which is you know a positive thing. But uh, at the same time, Ron Sugar, who is the audit committee chair, who is also turning 75, is staying on the board because Apple has waived the retirement age policy uh, to his benefit. There's really no no rhyme or reason as to why. Uh, other than that, I, I wanted to point out uh, that th- it's a very interesting board in the, po- in the sense that in the post-Steve Jobs environment that is Apple, the Apple board very much is a three-headed post-Jobs leadership team. It's not what you think it is. It's not Tim Cook does not control all the power here because he's a CEO. In fact, our data shows that there are three directors who basically have equal power, and that is CEO Tim Cook, uh, Chair Art Levinson, who's been on the board since the year 2000, uh, and uh, a a shareholder and a nomination committee chair, Susan Wagner. Uh, She is the co-founder of BlackRock, uh, and BlackRock owns 7% of Apple. So it's really those three directors that our data finds controls this board. So with that, Matt, I know you have a lot to say. I'm going to hand off. What are your observations, recommendations? How do we handle the board at Apple?
1: So it's worth going through where we started, and we had a long discussion in pre-production about this, because how do you assess a company that uh, since Tim Cook took over, Apple has returned more than 1,400% on its stock since Tim Cook took over, which is four or five times the S&P 500 at the same time. This is a company that has, by all investor accounts, had massive returns. It's one of the largest companies in the world. And And it's consistent year over year. In fact, this year,
0: uh, Apple's total shareholder return relative to other companies in the S&P 500 was at the
1: 98th percentile. For that performance period. Every single year. But here's what happens when you actually dig into these numbers. And I'm going to say something blasphemous for Apple right now. But um, if we're honest, the top five selling products under Tim Cook are The iPhone, launched and designed by Steve Jobs. The iPad, launched and designed by Steve Jobs. The App Store, launched and designed by Steve Jobs. The Apple Watch, which was launched under Tim Cook, but are indeed under Steve Jobs. He reportedly was into wearables, and he started designing the Apple Watch before it became a thing under Tim Cook. The AirPods, which by all accounts were launched by Tim Cook. So Tim Cook, his background is an ops guy with a quiet demeanor. Ops and sales, yeah. He's brought into the CEO role after a professional board was surrounded, the surrounded Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, who was ousted in the 90s, brought back after they bought Next, made CEO again. Everybody knows Steve Jobs was a, a visionary. He was mercurial, hard to work with. And they surrounded him with professional board members who would, quote unquote, control him. And what we see from a cultural or institutional standpoint, is a board that looks exactly the same as the one that would control the CEO, but effectively, now they're selling what the visionary CEO had built 10 or 15 years later, and that is the basis for how they make their money today. Yeah,
0: it seems like a a company that built a big, beautiful cruise ship under Steve Jobs, and then when Steve uh, passed away at a very young age, he would only be 68 today, uh, the goal of the company was to to push the ship out into the waters and to have a very and calmly sail it. sail it. right?
1: And sail it. And that's exactly what we've got up until the launch of the Apple Vision Pro, which is the first fully Tim Cook um, uh, piece of hardware that Apple's coming out with. But the board surrounding Tim Cook is not a board that was designed to plan for 10 years from now, They are still managing from 15 years ago, okay? So that is your backdrop. And I know it's blasphemous to say this about a company that has returned exponential amounts of shareholder capital. Like, if you're a shareholder in Apple, you love it. It's really hard. You'd be listening to this and saying, like, why do I care about anything that you're you're saying? If you're a long-term holder. I've made so much money on this company. Yeah, maybe not if you're buying in today, but as a long-term holder, Absolutely. But let's think about if you're holding this company for any more years going forward, right? Like if you're buying it today or you're holding it going forward. This board is the third most powerful board network of US large cap companies. It is one of the most connected, juiced board members, the professional board members. Not just in the U.S. too, in the world, seventy-eight percent of the board are actually connected to each other inside of two degrees. So friends or friends of friends, they are hugely insular. In in fact, yeah. In fact,
0: uh, uh, let me add that the the only new board member this year is Wanda Austin. She's actually sixty-nine years old. She's only six years shy of that. Retirement age, if they choose to honor it. She's sixty-nine. She's the former CEO of the Aerospace Corporation, a very impressive woman by all accounts, very impressive person by all accounts. But I will say this to your point, Matt: she sits on the boards of Amgen and Chevron. Ron Sugar, the man who's been there since two thousand and ten, who they waived the retirement age policy for, the audit chair, uh, the audit committee chair. He also sits on the board of Amgen, and he also sat on the board of Chevron. It's almost like the right. same person.
1: It's basically, we that's what we're doing. Where it's This is a very Boeing-like board in as much as they're recycling a lot of the same people from the same places that they know. It is an investor-friendly board, a CEO-friendly board. Every director at this board... On their other boards, not just at Apple, they tend to pay out big dividends, they take out less debt, and they pay tons of money to the CEO. They love paying their CEOs. They're in some of the highest CEO payers in the world. They are very customer unfriendly. In fact, Apple's board as a team ranks in the top 20 for large cap director teams. For overseeing controversies. Those controversies range from fraud, consumer, you know, uh, sell, uh, selling malpractice, consumer protection issues, union quashing, environmental issues. They've overseen it all on their other boards, not just at Apple. And they are definitely a regulator or government concerned board. These are di- directors that have direct experience working with the government, including. At least one, Andrea Jung, who is one of – who sat on boards where they do a lot of lobbying. Um, The executives give a lot to Democrats. 85 percent of their donations in the last three election cycles were Democratic – for Democratic nominees, and those are the executive teams. But you also have Ron Sugar on the board who was from a military contractor, effectively, at Northrop Grumman for a long time. These are very savvy directors. Mm -hmm. And you know what I didn't say they have? Designers, engineers. Three of the 10 directors have any engineering experience, and not one of them is Tim Cook. Right, like uh, T- Tim Cook actually was an ops guy in his background. He has an engineering degree from years ago, but he's spent his entire career in ops and supply chain issues. That leaves you with um, Ron Sugar, who got an engin- engineering degree in 1968, and Art Levinson, who's a biotech guy. So the guy they waived the age restriction for to keep him around, and the guy who's been there for 23 years – effectively we are dealing with the designers and engineers of the past to yeah. lead us into the future a, and they still represent a a vast
0: minority of this board i will say it's a highly unusual situation cuz it, again it's a it's a succession that happened because of a sudden death and it was and it was a succession that happened to take over for the world's most famous to your point engineer designer the the, the man who who created the 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 brand? Created the the customer loyalty. Created the design. Like everything, everything that we know and love about Apple was all in the hands of one person who died at a very young age. So, uh, it is an unusual situation.
1: And I will say this too, because when you look at the skills matrix that Apple publishes, now we talk about um, skills matrices on our Business Pants show yeah. the other day. Um, but the skills matrix that that, uh, that these companies put out, they put it out voluntarily. Yeah, it's unregul- unregulated. Totally unregulated. They get to choose the skills they and, include. And say what they want to say. Say whatever they want to say. So what I did, because I said, well, it looks like almost everyone on this board has tech experience, right? But what I did was I went through every board member and all the other skills matrices of boards that they're on. So, for instance, I we know that um, Andrea Jung also sits on the Unilever board and the Wayfair board, right? Now, on the Apple board, she is tagged as a financial expert with no tech expertise and no government expertise. But on the Unilever board, she's tagged as no financial expertise, but she has tech expertise and geopolitical expertise. The exact opposite between the two boards. Mm-hmm. That suggested to me that looking through the skills matrix, if you're looking to see, does my board skills... Actually, position me for the future for 10 years from now. You can't use the skills matrix because you see that Wanda Austin, the incoming director, who you said already has an existing relationship with Ron Sugar and the other board members. She's tagged already on Apple as being a financial expert, but on Amgen, she's not. She's mm-hmm. tagged at Chevron as being a f- international affairs expert, but at Amgen, she has no international affairs expertise. Hmm. She's a a financial expert at Virgin Galactic and named as a public CEO at Virgin Galactic. She's never been a public CEO. In fact, she was the CEO of a company that was privately held. The
0: Aerospace Corporation, yes.
1: So we're not talking about consistency in the skills matrices that can lead you to a place where you think that they're going to bring you into the future. In fact, there's an argument to be made that the skills matrices are relatively fraudulent. They're make-believe, and there's no regulation that says they have to say something, but they're effectively selling these directors as having skills they may not have. So the only thing you can rely on is what did they actually do, who are these people actually, and do they know each other? So this gets me to this this, um, uh, this theory of change on the Apple board. Okay. What you may want, if you are investing for 10 years from now, not for now, I want a less insular board. You can get the same performance of these board members with less connected directors. We've seen it before. You can see it here. And we want directors that are designed for the future. We're talking about a future in which AI is pervasive Mm -hmm. and it's going to be in the purview of the executives. Those executives will need guardrails, and those guardrails should come from the board members. You need them to have future tech experience or be building or involved with future tech. Treat this hardware company more like other hardware and tech companies and put in people who understand the tech so my recommendations for this board yes is a staggered set of voting out because okay. clearly Apple if they're willing to waive their retirement restriction for Ron sugar it means that they are not willing to let go of the past right I the recommendations start with vote out Ron sugar which which I
0: you know which is not an aggressive move considering that the the new director Wanda Austin, again is basically a carbon copy of him of Ron Sugar
1: she has more recent engineering experience, more recent um, tech experience, and she has all the same connections. They sit on the same exactly. boards. Mm-hmm. So she's got better engineering bona fides and the same connections. What do you need Ron Sugar for? And again, You don't need yeah. him to groom her. In fact, she is a well-accomplished director.
0: And again, from a corporate governance perspective, if you're going to have a retirement age policy and two directors are stepping down because of that policy, you probably should stick to the policy and ask Ron Sugar to move. On.
1: I think that's correct. You're you, you, you consistent with the policy. And second, in this cycle, I think you vote out Sue Wagner. Sue Wagner is the chair of the nominating committee, um, and she is a, a, a shareholder by proxy through her association with BlackRock. We don't need that proxy We don't need BlackRock already has plenty of influence on this board. We don't need Sue Wagner to represent either BlackRock or to be the head of the nominating committee and keep up the same cycle of insular directors rotating in and out. And that's the first year. I think by next year, by 2025, you let Art Levinson retire. Well, he will. He will be
0: 75 in less than two years
1: which means he's going to be up against that age. He's been there for 23 years. If he won't retire, then you have to vote him out. It's time to move on. Steve Jobs has now been gone for 12 years, 13 years. It's time now to move on and move into the future. And you remove...
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say what's hopeful about this is if you remove those three directors in the next couple of years, you've opened up uh 37 you've opened up uh roughly 40 45 percent of board influence That's which, right. is, which is which is can only be a good thing
1: for a long-term uh view here right at apple right And and i think you need to bring in design or tech oriented people you want to replace some of that void with somebody, you know, uh, I'm thinking of the deposed board members from OpenAI, right? What if you were to put one of those women on this board, right? That's those are people who are highly accomplished and Proven their independence, right? Mm-hmm. Like proven their ability to follow the mandate of the board. And the mandate of Apple's board's not going to be the same as OpenAI. It's going to be more about profit maximization. And it's a company that sells hardware. It's not a non profit. It's not mission driven, as was written at OpenAI.
0: But yeah. imagine
1: having someone like that who understands the future and the guardrails required for it.
0: Yeah. And again, I will say the opportunity is very real here because again, these three directories represent forty seven percent of of influence. So you could be constructing half of your board that is future-facing, that could have expertise in things like AI, engineering, design, technology. It's
1: an opportunity for shareholders. And they're also, the next board, The next in the next three to five years, we're seriously going to be talking about Tim Cook's succession plan. How long is Tim Cook going to be around? We do not need an ops person anymore to run Apple unless you just want it to sail on its historical technology. We wanted to sell into the future, right? Which, but that means you need a board who's designed not to contain the CEO and sail the Carnival Cruise Line to future diarrhea. We need them to build something new. What's the next generation of stuff? Yeah,
0: nobody likes future diarrhea.
1: Why, why don't we wrap
0: up your choices on the board and we can move on to the other proposals at Apple? What, wrap up and your f- My final
1: choice here is for in in 2025, you'd remove Andrea Jung as well and you'd mm-hmm. add more engineering. Oh, okay. And then 2026, you flip the wrap. But I think um, overall the summary year. here is this yep. year you focus on Sugar, Ron Sugar. He's right. had a long run, enough influence, and vote out Sue Wagner. Um, change okay. the uh, I, construction of the NOM committee.
0: And, and again, I will say, not an aggressive uh, choice because Ron Sugar has reached the retirement age. Uh, Just comply according with According the to their policy. Uh, moving on to say on pay, I will say that... Uh, 12% of shareholders voted against Sayon Pay last year, considerably more than they were voting against directors. And I, I'm guessing part of the issue here is uh, Tim Cook makes a lot of money at Apple. He's made $261 million over the last three years. But again... Uh, total shareholder return relative to the SP 500 is very strong. So I don't know if you want to weigh in here, Sean Pei.
1: Look, I, I think you vote for in this case. Um, I know that there, are, I think it's hard to vote against and hard to justify given their performance. But I do think that you're not voting for Tim Cook's performance, you're voting for Tim Cook guiding Steve Jobs' performance. To this point. I mean, effectively, Tim Cook is largely getting um, getting a vote for being even keel and doing an excellent job of keeping Apple in the direction Steve Jobs put it in.
0: Uh, Share the proposals and then we can wrap up the show for the week of January 22nd. There are five shareholder proposals at Apple this year. Three of them are anti-woke. We'll start with uh, the National Center for Public Policy Research, which seems to now have a proposal at every S&P 500 company. They have a uh, a proposal uh, asking Apple to issue a public report detailing the potential risks associated with omitting viewpoint and ideology from its written equal employment opportunity policy. We see this one a lot.
1: I just love that they're uh, they're now straight cribbing from what they consider to be woke proposals. They said, quote, companies with inclusive policies are better able to recruit the most talented employees from a broad labor pool, resolve complaints internally and avoid costly litigation or reputational damage. Um, And they, uh, moreover, inclusive policies contribute to more efficient human capital management. Like, th- this is language that the ESG community has been saying for a decade. And I love that they're using DEI language for Anti-woke. ideological, you know, anti DEI, ideological inclusion, except that they missed the whole point of DEI is DEI isn't a choice. Your sexual orientation, your gender orientation or fluidity, race, ethnicity, these are born attributes. Liking Ronald Reagan is a choice. Liking pizza is a choice. I'm conservative on how much milk I drink and liberal how much pizza I consume. So what do I report? What's the report here? Th- th- these are stupid you vote against. Uh, so that's
0: it's a no on number four. Proposal number five, uh, another anti-woke proposal from the American Family Association, an organization that not only opposes LGBT rights, but they also oppose LGBT expression. That's pretty hard yeah. hardcore there uh, it is
1: but but yeah. for this proposal
0: yes they' are asking this for a different. they're asking for a report on ensuring the respect for civil liberties uh, and one of the issues that they raised was that uh, they're concerned about Apple's threat to remove Twitter owned by Elon Musk from its App Store a seemingly political swipe
1: which look I don't uh, it the their the justification I find to be relatively horrid. But what they're actually asking for is a report detailing how apps get chosen and how app disputes with governments are resolved. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Sure. They they actually provide an app transparency report about the number of apps that get taken down and some of the reasons, like what what brings them down. But they don't talk about how they actually resolve disputes with governments or resolve disputes with those app people, like the people who start the apps. I'm curious what this report looks like. Why not? Vote for it. Give him a win. Proposal number six,
0: uh, we talked about Arjuna Capital already. They're being sued by Exxon ExxonMobil. Uh, they have a proposal, uh, racial and gender pay gaps. They want to report. They basically want more details and better disclosure, I think, in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, I think this is a vote for. And Apple's complaint here, our suggestion for vote against, is we already produced these numbers. Arjuna's asked, saying you produce this number, but we ask for that number. It's... Uh, it's It's basically an unadjusted number. They say, take the number that you gave us and just back it up to the unadjusted number. That's the real number. You're obscuring the real number. It's a vote for This is, I don't know why Apple would even fight this. Just put it in the report. Take five seconds.
0: And for a little bit of history here, this shareholder proposal is already popular with shareholders. Last year, the same proposal got 35% in support. That's a significant number. Proposal number seven, A report on the use of AI. This one comes from the AFL CIO. Uh, They say they're asking for a transparency report on the company's use of AI and its business operations, and disclose any ethical guidelines that the company has adopted regarding the company's use of AI. Blah blah blah. Mostly, I think, as it relates to labor, two of the issues that they point out, the use of AI in human resources decisions may raise concerns about discrimination or bias. And the use of AI to automate jobs may result in mass layoffs. So that's Proposal number seven coming from the AFL-CIO.
1: You know the justifications here are are also relatively meaningless to me. Like the, what Apple said in um, in response was this was too broad an ask, and it might it would make us compromise our you know our IP in some way or our strategic plans. That to me seems like BS. You can report on how ai is figuring into your future without disclosing this and we are all at a place where we're talking about how ai could destroy humanity apple just produced the report i don't understand why that's that hard it's not a ridiculous ass vote for and finally proposal number eight another anti-woke
0: uh uh proponent a national legal and policy center is asking for a congruency report on privacy and human rights this one is very similar to number five and we've seen this proposal before too
1: well, this one is similar in as much as they make it sound similar, but different in as much as the ask here is actually, um, it's it, they, they're upset because Apple didn't, when the Ukraine invasion happened by Russia, Apple pulled out of sales in Russia. And they're upset because it lost the company an estimated $1.14 billion in sales mm-hmm. from Russian customers. So what they're upset about is that Tech wasn't sold to Russia. That's what we're up, upset about. Meanwhile, total revenue for Apple was 383 billion. So they're upset at less than a half a percent of total sales. Um, this is dumb. Vote against it. This is the, this is a stupid anti woke proposal. To wrap up the big vote on Apple,
0: Matt is saying, <clears throat> vote against Ron Sugar. Vote against Sue Wagner. That's a yes on say on pay, and then it's a vote uh, no on proposal number four. the proposal number four, vote yes on proposal number five. Vote yes yeah. on on six. Uh, vote on, on AI. Vote uh, yes. What was your, you vote yes, yes on, on your number AI seven report. and no on number eight. And no on number eight. <laughs> no on number eight. Whew, that's a lot. Uh, Apple, they're vote coming up february 28 2024 that's the proxy countdown for the week of january 22nd 2024 join us next week when we jump back into the alternative democracy pool forever on the lookout for shareholder sharks floating band-aids and wayward directors